morning. How are you all? Isn't it wonderful to worship the Lord? I tell you, I just, it's wonderful. Worship and weep and worship. He's so good that when we come together to exalt him, we get blessed. I don't know another king like that. Hello? Yeah, not that I know of. Anyway, Father, we just bless your name. We thank you for just trusting us with your presence, Lord. We truly do. And we do exalt you, Lord. We exalt you above this region. We exalt you for this year. And may we see your purposes continue to advance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Don't break it, he says. That's uh, my dad. You know, there's some people that carry like a breakthrough anointing, a breakthrough gift. My dad said he was convinced when I was younger that I was one of those people because he says in the natural, you could pass a block of lead down through the generations and give it to my son and he would be like, oh, I broke it. So, so maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't think this is going to work. We'll just see what happens. So welcome to everyone. Happy New Year to those I haven't seen. It's great to see you all. I know there's many at home. Say hi to those at home. Can they hear us? Can they hear the crowd at home? Can they hear the crowd if we all shout to them? No. So don't bother. But we say hi. We know many of you are not well, so we do have been praying for you. We had in Canaanite last night. We prayed for those who are sick and those who are in hospital, so we trust that everyone has a speedy recovery. I would also like to quickly just announce uh, this coming Saturday, the 15th, we're having a discovery course, which is, you know, who we are and how we do things and why we do things a little different uh, than maybe you've experienced before. Just a little bit of our DNA and a little bit of our history. And I have, we have had some questions of when's the next discovery course, and that's coming this week, Saturday, January 15th, and uh, January 12th is my dad's birthday, for those who want to give him wonderful gifts. He's not going to like that I said that, but now the whole world knows he's turning uh, 98. So, um, can, I, can, I, can I read you guys something just real funny, real quick? I don't know why this Lord put this on my heart to read. I just find it so funny. It says, yeah, a teacher asked us what our favorite animal was. This is a kid. And I said, fried chicken. She said, she said it wasn't funny, but she couldn't have been right because the rest of the class laughed. My parents told me to always be truthful and honest, and so I am. And fried chicken is my favorite animal. I told my dad what happened, and he said, to my, teacher, he said my teacher is probably a member of PETA. And they love animals very much, which is a good thing, and I do too, especially chicken, pork, and beef. Anyway... The teacher sent me to the principal's office, and I told him what happened, and he laughed too, but he told me not to do it again. The next day in class, my teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was. I said it was chicken. She asked me why, so I said because, and she asked me why, just like she'd asked the other children, and I told her because you could turn them into fried chicken. <laughs> she sent me back to the principal's office. He laughed, and he told me not to do it again. I don't understand. My parents always taught me to be honest and truthful, but my teacher doesn't like it when I am. Today, my teacher asked us to tell her what famous person we admire most. I told her Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Guess where I am now? <laughs> funny. That was funny. I find that funny. Um, can I have some water, babe? So, uh, we're going to get into something as we launch into the new year, just called the Kingdom View, 
And I'd like to share with you, if you can go to Luke chapter 18 and 19, um, you know, as we look at the year and as we go forward, I'm always asking the Lord, is there something specific or something that's going to color the year? And often there's not, and, uh, but, you know, let's just continue with what we're doing. But um, the Lord put this on my heart for the year, actually, Luke 18 and 19, Matthew 25, which we'll probably get there next year. But, um, I mean, next week, did I say next year? It's a long sermon. It's real long. But um, so I wonder if you could turn there real quick with you guys. At, at here at Free Life Church, we have this desire to build a, I mean, Jesus builds the church, but to build a culture where people can really know the Lord and not just go through the motions, which, you know, God will use anything he can, but to really come to know the Lord personally, because it's out of that relationship and it's out of that union that all life comes, all change in the human heart. People can change themselves, they try. You know, even peace on earth, people have this concept of peace on earth, and I, I'm not trying to give you bad news, it's good news, but the Bible speaks of three different types of peace. The Bible speaks of peace with God, which we have through Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says in Romans 5. We have peace with God. So there's a friendly smile over your heart and over your life when it comes to the Lord because of Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you're a born-again believer. But then it speaks about peace between people. And that's actually the ministry that God has given to all saints, the ministry of reconciliation, to bring peace between people. And then the Bible speaks about peace between nations. That will only come and happen when Jesus comes back. And so the world sometimes is getting worse, and the Bible says nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, which is groups of nations together, and all these different things. And then we live in some interesting times, yeah? And we do. And so here we, we love to worship the Lord, we love to, and we believe in the filling of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit, and we've seen God heal so many people, even last night, testimony after testimony about people getting healed, some from cancer, some from just various things, supernaturally healed. And we love to see, in a sense, the people of God walking in the victory and enjoying in the presence of God and what he actually paid for. You don't want to ever want to buy a kid something and then they just leave it wrapped. So we, we want to see people operating in and functioning in all that Jesus Christ paid for. However, There is a, I don't know how to bring this across. It's not a rebuke at all in any measure. It's something that I feel the Lord has put in my heart beginning about the middle of last year to just be aware that there's a common trap, as if it were, about those who are pursuing God with all their heart to forget, in a sense, some of his actual purpose. And we become experiential seekers and because God will continue to bless and God will continue to move. And sometimes we get so focused on that that we forget the purpose of that. Hello. You know, even when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, it says, and they spoke with tongues. You know, they didn't share the gospel. They did what my dad talked about today. They spoke about the wonders of God. The wonders of God. That's what it says. But what happens is we can sometimes take the provisions of Christ and the blessings of Christ, and it becomes all about that instead of what those things were given for. The Bible says signs and wonders were given to confirm the word that is preached. Are we, are we still friends? So, um, I want to speak about a kingdom view for people. And I, I don't have a PowerPoint presentation today. I've hit the ground running. 
it's been a very busy week, so I just didn't have time to gather. So here's my PowerPoint presentation. Number one, we have a kingdom view. We want to retain a his kingdom view for people. That's what we're going to talk about today, very briefly with the story of Zacchaeus. Number two, his kingdom view of his purpose. We'll cover that next week. And three, the kingdom view of power, actual power. There is a difference, friends, between the presence of God and the power of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, for the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. So we're going to talk about those three. So please turn to Luke 19 and then flip back one page, if your Bible is that way, to Luke chapter 18. Context is very important, and it doesn't take a genius to understand that the context of Luke 19 is Luke 18. So go to Luke 18. I'm going to read from verse 31, and to give you a little bit of a context of what we're going to look at, it says here in verse 31, Luke 18, 31, Then he, he being Jesus, took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, in other words, hey guys, listen to what I'm about to tell you. He says, We are going to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a messianic title that was, in a sense, pronounced by Daniel, and it's the favorite messianic title, in a sense, that Jesus uses of himself. Because it speaks about the Son of Man in the, in the book Daniel, book, in the prophet Daniel, speaks about bringing a kingdom that will never end. Of his government and of his rule, there will be no end. And so Jesus uses this messianic phrase about himself. This is, in a sense, he knows he's the Messiah. He's telling people that I'm the Messiah using this title. And it's about the kingdom of God that will never end. And so he says, so he's speaking to them in the third person about himself. And he says, we are going to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him, and kill him, and in the third day he will rise again. Then it says this, they did, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. For they did not know the things which were spoken. So Jesus says, listen guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. Can I have a napkin of some sort? Sorry. Right behind me. Nope. Sorry guys, I'm very high maintenance today. I just have gum in my mouth. so, And I forgot to take it out. Thanks. But, um, he says, listen guys, I'm going to Jerusalem where this is why I've come. This is like a big deal. Okay? Modern vernacular. This is a big deal, what I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm saying. I've got to go there. They're going to do this to me. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. All right? We, looking back, go totally. They're like, what? What are you talking about? Why? And we'll look at why. Go to the next verse, verse 35. Then it happened, now he's on the way to Jerusalem, as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. So he's coming to Jerusalem, he's going to Jerusalem, and he's now approaching Jericho, which he had to go through to get to Jerusalem. Okay, you see that? Then go to, verse, to chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. So he came near Jericho, then he entered and passed through Jericho. Then, in, in 19, verse 9, after the story of Zacchaeus, which we're going to actually get into today, but at the end of that story, it says, Jesus said to them, salvation, today, salvation has come to this house 
because he also, speaking about Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. Then it says this, verse 11. Now as they heard these things, what things? The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. He's on his way to Jerusalem. They didn't understand what he was talking about. Why are you going to Jerusalem? What do you mean you're going to die? What's going on? It says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, 19 verse 11, because, why? He was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So here, this crowd is actually the crowd that followed him all the way through Jerusalem, all the way through Jericho to Jerusalem, and sang and praised about the triumphal entry. Same people. So that word they, if you go to 21, I think it's verse 37, it talks about that crowd, it calls that crowd the multitude of the disciples of Christ. So now you have the disciples of Christ. Here he calls the 12 aside and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. They're going to crucify me. They're going to whip me. They're going to beat me. I'm going to rise again on the third day. And they're like, uh, what? Then on the way, the multitude of disciples that are following him, they all have a belief, including the 12. What's the belief? That in his entry, the triumphal entry, as he enters on the little cult, you know the story? In that, as he goes into Jerusalem, they thought now... The kingdom of God, because it's, it's from the Old Testament, from the prophets, the Bible says the kingdom of God would come. And it's talking about when the kingdom of God comes when he comes again, when the, when the unseen becomes visible and the kingdom of God comes in power and glory with all the holy angels. That, they thought that was going to happen here. They said, well, when he goes into Jerusalem, the kingdom of God is going to appear Suddenly, because the king's going into Jerusalem. Are you following? That didn't happen. But they thought it would happen. They couldn't perceive or understand what Jesus was actually doing because they had a preconceived belief about what, Jesus was, what was about to take place. And so they missed what was actually happening right in front of their face. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. What's amazing is so many times people, in a sense, misunderstand something about the kingdom of God, and yet Jesus still delegates to them authority even before this, when they didn't understand. They had cast out demons, healed the sick, done all incredible signs and wonders because he gave them power and authority, but they didn't even understand. How gracious is God? Hello. How gracious is God? Because there's, I've seen people that are so wrong doctrinally but they, they, they still doing things. God is just so gracious. He's so, so gracious. So they believed that the kingdom of God would suddenly appear. They believed this due to the prophetic promises and the messianic title, the son of man from the book of Daniel. That didn't happen. So they're like, okay, that's interesting. So now, now what? Then he, everything he says happens. He goes, he dies, he rises again. Then after his resurrection, Acts chapter 1, they ask him, he spends 40 days, can I, actually I'm going to read it to you, can we read it? Acts chapter 1, are you guys following? Chapter 1, it says, let's go to verse 3, to whom he, pres he also presented himself alive 
after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he rises again. They're like, wow. He speaks about this kingdom. Then in 1 verse 6, they say to him, Lord, is it now that you're going to make the kingdom like appear? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? It wasn't just, as many people have said before, including myself, it wasn't, they weren't just thinking politically. They were saying, they were thinking, that's going to happen now. They said, all right, so you have to die, rise again. It's a kingdom forever, like the book of Daniel says. So now that's going to happen when you pull the Holy Spirit out. He's just spent 40 days speaking to them about the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom of God. And he says, now I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. So they say, so it's going to happen now. Are you tracking? And he's like, mm-mm. So, go back to Luke 19. That paints some of the context of what's actually happening. That shows you how amazing it is because they believed us, friends, because in the Old Testament, in the book of Joel, in the book of Ezekiel, and in the book of Zechariah, there was a common theme that when the Holy Spirit comes back to the earth, because in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet said he's, he, he left the temple, but he's coming back. And when he comes back, he says, I'm going to, in a sense, melt your hearts in your chest, put a new heart in your chest. I'm going to live within you. And there was this constant prophetic theme through multiple books. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with a kingdom. Now, we understand what that means here. They understood it as when he comes, it's like what Jesus is coming back to do. He's going to do that then. That's why it's so amazing when the Holy Spirit comes and they say suddenly understanding came to them and Peter stands up and begins to say this is what Joel 2 prophesied and he actually speaks about the kingdom of God but now he understands it. The kingdom in this time in the church age. So we need a kingdom view. Why do I say that? Because they believed so firmly about the kingdom that they missed about what they thought was going to happen, that they missed what he was actually trying to do right there. So can we go to Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus goes into Zacchaeus' house. So a kingdom view concerning people. Then Jesus entered in the middle of this process. He's going to Jerusalem. They're, not, they're just thinking about, man, there's a kingdom coming. And it's actually quite selfish. Because they're like, we're his disciples. So when the kingdom appears suddenly, that's what they thought. Man, we're going to do so well. He's going to be the king and we're his buddies. This is good for me. This is good for me. All right. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for we, he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today... I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received, and received him joyfully. 
But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be with a guest. He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. You've never done that, right? <laughs> then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also, speaking about Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, we're going to do a study. What's actually going on here? Aren't you excited? It says here, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Jericho was actually known as the City of Palms. It was an extremely wealthy area. It's where all the wealthy, with all the rich, in a sense, the, the fam powerful and famous people, the wealthy, they lived in Jericho. The City of Palms, beautiful place, lots of natural springs and beautiful. Is likened to Loudoun County. The wealthiest county, always in the top three or four or five wealthiest income counties in the United States where we live, which makes it one of the wealthiest places in the world. So it's like Jericho. So this is very close to home. And Jesus here comes into Jericho. And because Jericho is so wealthy, as you would enter Jericho, as we read, as he was coming towards Jericho, all the homeless, all the beggars, all the destitute would line the streets and beg because that's where all the wealthy people were. And this man, this blind man who was standing on the, that was blind Bartimaeus, that's why he was there. Because of this wealthy, opulent place. Jericho, or we can say Loudoun County. And then it says this, so that's the context. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but he passes through Loudoun County. All right? And it says, now behold, there was a man, and his name was Zacchaeus. You know what Zacchaeus means? Because in the Hebrew world, the name is a big deal. We all know that. We've preached on that many times. The name is a big deal. His name means pure, bright and clean, innocent. Oh, but he wasn't. He was a thief. And he was a liar. And he was absolutely hated. Hated. Why? Not only has he betrayed the Jewish people, his own people, by collecting taxes for Rome, he grouped together a whole bunch of other tax collectors to do it for him. That's why he's called the chief tax collector, called a publican in older translations. They did all the work for him, and he constantly put higher levies on God's people so that he could enrich himself. He cheated, he lied, he stole. His name means pure. His name means innocent. His name means bright and clean. But he was not, especially in a career that he, he needed integrity in a financial career. And he had none. Then it says, but he sought to see Jesus, but could not. Why? Because, read it, he sought to see Jesus, but could not because of the crowd. For he was of short, short stature. So he has a wealthy man. He's actually desperate. Think about this. He's heard Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, this crazy guy. He, he does miracles. He heals people. He raises the dead. He casts out demons. He does, I mean, who could this Jesus be? So now he hears Jesus is coming through Jericho. I got to see him. He goes out there. He can't see. So here you have a man in fine linen, in fine clothes, climbing a tree. Think about it. 
He's climbing a tree, which means what? He's absolutely desperate. He's desperate for Jesus Christ. Desperate for God. I need a touch of God. I need to see Jesus. And who gets in his way? Christians. Disciples. This multitude of disciples. It says because of the crowd, he couldn't get to Jesus. Because of the crowd. And it always sticks in my heart. Because there are people around us in Loudoun County, in Jericho, who look like they're doing great, but inside they are dying. And they are desperate for truth and for Jesus. And the last place they would ever go is to the Christians they know. <laughs> and, the, and his life is a mess. I mean, it's a mess. He, he was a mess. So this is the crowd, as I said earlier, that was so excited about what they thought was going to happen that they sang, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They actually, God used them, even with their incorrect thinking, to fulfill prophecies, to fulfill things. They, they, they're on their way to a worship service. I'm so excited. We're going to go early. We're going to stand in line because this great man of God is here or this great woman of God is here. And man, I'm going to be blessed. And I'm on my way to worship service. And I'm so excited. I'm going to run over 12 people to get there because I want to get there first. That's what's happening. So Jesus looks up. He arrives. This man's desperate. He's up a tree. So he's actually showing humility. Everyone hates him. They all know him. Public figure. They hate him. And he's outside, so he's climbed a tree, no one's helping him. And Jesus gets there, and he gets to this place, and he says, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. He says, I must. Now, in a South African culture where I grew up, we say must all the time, and it gets us in trouble when we travel. You must go to the store. You must do this, and it sounds so forceful. And people say, who are you to tell me what I must do? We're like, no, it's more like a suggestion. (laughs) That's not what the word means, buddy. So... I had to learn, like, you don't tell people what they must do. But that's not their culture. Jesus said, I must stay at your house. The Aramaic there said, says this, it is my duty to stay with you. That's the Aramaic. And what happens? He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. It's like Jesus in the Hebrew world looked up and said, hey, pure, hey, innocent, hey, bright and clean. And you know, he looks right through him. What do we do? We say, well, before Jesus comes into my world and into my house, I must fix everything up. I've heard it so many times from unbelievers when I speak to them on the street, because you can ask my wife, everywhere I go, I just want to talk to people. And they're like, I'm going to come to church. I just need to fix some things. Like, you don't understand the purpose of the gospel at all. But that's like the culture. I need to make it better. I need to fix it. But he knows your name. And he knows the names of the people around you who are desperate for him. So he says, Zacchaeus, it is my duty to stay at your house. So what happens? It says, well, when this multitude of disciples, it says, when they, when they saw it, they all complained. (laughs) I love it. 
He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. They were all sinners. Jesus hadn't even made a payment for sin. They were all sinners. They're like, look, I mean, Lord, you're supposed to have more discernment. You know, we do that. Somebody gets blessed. I mean, amazingly blessed. And we're like, why them? Doesn't God know what they do? Doesn't God know their life? Why them? They complain, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. But what did he do? He actually responded more biblically than them. It says, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. You know that it was custom, and I think it was actually a law, that if a royal person comes through town, they could tell anybody, I'm staying at your house. But they had to be of noble birth, royalty. I'm staying at your house. And they had to oblige them. But it was such an honor it was such an incredible thing to do and blessing and favor would be given to that person who would come on that house. Here's a man and desperate, he's a mess inside. He's cheating, he's lying, he's stealing, he's a hypocrite, he's, he's a mess. In the Old Testament, a prophet would have come in and rebuked this man. But in the New Testament, the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. Zacchaeus, the way he receives him, tells you something culturally. He recognized this man is a king. He had greater insight than the entire crowd of disciples. They're focused on what they want and what they think is going to happen. Zacchaeus says, this man's a king. Hello. Sometimes I've met people that are not saved that have a far better grasp actually on some truth than many Christians. So what happened? Most likely, Jesus would have stayed overnight. We don't know that, but that's culturally what would have taken place. The next day, what happened? He says, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. In that culture, it was actually said, I think it is part of the Mishnah, which is the oral Torah, to give away more than 20% of your wealth was considered foolish and dangerous. And he said, I'm going to give 50%. I'm going to give it all away. Then he says, and I will restore fourfold to anyone that I have cheated. Now, people like, oh, he's just being kind. Why fourfold? Because, you know, I, I love the scriptures. And when I read the Bible, it means something. You know, it's, this, watch this. This is just so wonderful. There's only one place in the law, in the Old Testament law, which it has a reference to fourfold. And it has to do with financial penalty, penalties. Do you think that Zacchaeus knew the law when it came to finance. That's what he does. It says in the Old Testament that if you steal a person's sheep, you have to give fourfold return. Here, God, in a sense, Jesus comes into this man's house, which people didn't really want Jesus in their house, by the way. They wanted to go out to him, to the worship service, to be blessed, but don't come home with me, Lord. Because it says the son of man had no place to lay his head. And he used to spend his night on the Mount of Olives. I want to go and be blessed, but don't come into my life. So here, Jesus comes into this man's home. And something happens. We don't know, but obviously Jesus powerfully 
this whole person, this, this is a different person the next day. And he recognizes what he's done. And he's saying this, Lord, I've treated these people around me as if they're lower than me. I've treated them as if they belong to me. They're not my sheep. They're your sheep. You're the chief shepherd. I stole your people. I will restore fourfold. He recognized what he had been doing. (laughs) So, what happens? This entire region is impacted. This entire region, this guy, he's the wealthy of wealthiest. He's rich amongst wealthy people. He's become wealthy from all the rich people around him. So he is seriously wealthy. Jesus goes into this man's house one night. And the next day, the entire community is enriched. The poor have, he says, I give half my goods to the poor. The poor have what they need in that region. Blind Bartimaeus, who he just walked, he just healed, probably got given some stuff we don't know. The wealthy are restored fourfold of every time he's been cheated. So those who were complaining were not complaining anymore. (laughs) Guarantee you that. This whole area is enriched because of one man. What's the point? Jesus has to point out to them, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. You know that we say Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The Bible doesn't say that. He says the Son of Man, the Messiah Jesus, came to seek and save that, that which was lost. That word lost is the word apolemi. Who's ever read, I think it's John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress? Who's ever read that? What was the name of the devil? Polyon. That's actually a name of the devil in the Bible. The destroyer. It's one of the Hebrew names, Apollyon, I mean Greek names, the destroyer. It's the same word. I've come to seek and save that which was destroyed. He's talking about all the work of the enemy. But because of what happened in the garden, man's heart, the chief of God's creation, God's masterpiece, people made in his image was bent and twisted and destroyed. And they're living, they're born in the sentence of death, set for destruction. So yes, it's talking about people, but it's more than that. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which has been destroyed. I have to, I'm going to seek it and save it. But he has to point it out to this crowd of his disciples. Think about that. Why? I'm making one point today. One point. Here's a group of people. They love the Lord. They love the worship service. They love the blessing. They were so focused on the benefits of his victory that they completely missed his purpose. Completely. He had to point out, guys, this is why I've come. Think about it. There are people today, I've been there many times myself, we get so focused on the benefits of what he's won that we forget why and who they were for. 
On their way, they walked past blind Bartimaeus and they told him to be quiet. Jesus stops and says, no, I'm here to heal him. That's why I've come. So they got upset that he was delaying their benefit. They say, uh, you, get out of the way, blind Bartimaeus. They literally said, be quiet, shush. Jesus says, no, guys, what, what's going on? Then he goes into, into Jericho, and here's this so-called terrible guy, public figure. And they've already disqualified him completely, and Jesus says, guys, listen, this is why I've come. I've come for him. It is my duty to stay at his house. Then he says this, Luke 19, 11. Now, as they heard these things, we already read this, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. So he has to tell a parable to dispel the thought of what they thought was going to happen. And because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately, this is the parable he tells. Therefore, he said, a certain noble man, why noble? Birth, by birth, he's speaking about himself. A certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. That is speaking about Jesus. He's saying, guys, it's not going to appear immediately. I am that noble person. I am the person of birth. I have to go to heaven to receive a kingdom. Matthew Henry puts it this way. Christ was entitled by birth to a kingdom. Christ must first go to heaven, sit down at the right hand of the Father there, and to receive honor and glory there before the Spirit was poured out, and by that Spirit build and set up the kingdom on the earth in the Gentile world. He must receive the kingdom and then return. That's what he's telling them. And there he has to tell a parable because they all think this kingdom's getting, that kingdom that's coming when he comes back, it's going to appear now, like now when he goes to Jerusalem. And he says, guys, listen, this, and he tells them a parable because he would use parables. There's a person who is royal in birth who must leave and go and receive a kingdom and then come back. Then he says this. So he called 10 of his servants, this noble person in the parable, and delivered to them 10 minors which was money, and said to them, do business till I come. The King James Version, you've heard this, occupy till I come. And people use it as we must occupy, we must have positions of power. It actually means be occupied with my business until I come back. What's his business? What did he just say? I've come to seek and save those that are lost. He says, guys, you have a kingdom desire but you've lost the kingdom purpose. You're so focused on the benefits of my victory that you're forgetting why I've come to have victory for these people here. You're willing to trample on that person, tell this person to be quiet, complain about that person because I want to get to the worship service. I want to get in the presence. And, I, and he's saying, guys, this is why I've come. Those people... the most precious thing you can ever handle is a human soul when I got saved I used to go the Lord he speaks to me words of knowledge about people just it always amazes me how what he tells me and I used to go sit on a bench wherever I could find one and just watch people and God would tell me stuff about it and just stir my heart with compassion when I got tired when I got tired of ministry and of Christians complaining I would say God show me again 
and stir your heart for people, to love people, to not disqualify them, tell them to shut up, love them, reach out to them. We need his view, his kingdom view for the one, for a person. You were once that one. Don't forget those who still are that one. I look back, sorry Kimmy, I'm gonna be vulnerable on your behalf. There's a young lady here. She came to a youth retreat when she was 16 years old and she wrote in a journal on the way there, I'm seeking truth. She comes, she wasn't saved, she'd been raised in another religion, all those different things. And she comes, but she doesn't know the Lord. And out of all the crowd, God's moving and I never forget it, in the middle of a message, God says, stop and say this to that in my head. I stopped everything and I said, you young lady, you came seeking truth. She just wrote that down and that we went and prayed for her and the power of God hit her and she shook for days, literally. God stopped all the blessing for that one. We need his view concerning people. How is Jesus going to walk through like he did Jericho through Loudoun County with you? We are his body, we are his hands, we are his feet. I'm not saying you have to go out and do power evangelism, but I'm asking us this year as a church, if we can just simply say, God, what you're doing here is wonderful. Honestly, people getting healed, people getting saved. God's presence is with us. We can't earn that, we can't, it's just his goodness. It's just his goodness, but unless we purpose ourselves to take it outside the four walls of the church, it will become unhealthy. Hello? So I'm asking the Lord, show us how. Give us strategies to take this out, to take it to those who are actually desperately seeking Jesus, but because of the Christians that's around them, they can never see him. That's what happened there. That's what happened. Think about that. None of you wonderful people, of course. It's everyone else. Can I read you a quote from a guy called William Booth? He was the founder of the Salvation Army. This man had a heart for the lost like you can I read his stuff and you just weep. He said this. I'm glad you are enjoying your... Now, this is intense. He was intense. So... He says, I'm glad you are enjoying yourselves, speaking to Christians. The salvationist, that's a Christian, is the friend of happiness. Making heaven on earth is our business, which is true. Serve the Lord with gladness is one of our favorite mottos. And I'm pleased that you are pleased. But amidst all your joys, don't forget the sons and daughters of misery. Do you ever visit them? He said, come away and let us make a, a visit or two. Here is a home, six in family. They eat and drink and sleep and sicken and die in the same room because of poverty. Here is a drunken's hole whose wife is a skeleton and children in rags and father maltreating the victims of his sickness, which is his children. And here are the unemployed seeking work and finding none. Over there are the wretched criminals passing in and out of prison all the time. Here are all the prostitutes, the daughters of shame, diseased and wronged and ruined. 
traveling down the dark incline to, a, to an early grave. And here are the children, fighting in gutters, going hungry for food, growing up to fill their parents' places. And there is the wealthy man, who believes he has no need of God. But when the demons pull on his soul in death, the great realization of his blindness and rebellion is revealed, and it is too late. Brought it all on themselves, you say. Perhaps so. But that does not excuse our assisting them. You don't demand a certificate of virtue before you drag a drowning man out of the water. Nor the assurance that a man has paid his rent before you deliver him from a burning building. But what shall we do? Content ourselves by singing a hymn or offering a prayer or giving some good advice? No, and 10,000 times no. We will pity them. We will feed them. We will reclaim them. We will employ them. Perhaps we shall fail with many, quite likely. But our business is to help them all the same. And that is the most practical, economical, and Christ-like manner. Powerful quote. So, that's all we have for today. For this year, I'm not trying to be heavy. God is with us, and it is a wonderful thing. But he's really moving on my heart, and strongly, and I know this is for the church. We need to take, we need to go out there. And take some of what God's doing here, out there. And not get so focused on the, king, the coming kingdom, which is good. The kingdom is coming in our midst that we forget the reason why it comes. Amen? We'll carry on next week. Bless you. Over to Tommy. Oh, Josh. It's okay. I didn't, I didn't get offended. Good job. That was a good message, and thank you for giving it, Clayton. And we have a wonderful uh, prayer team over here that's going to pray for anything that you'd like today. Uh, otherwise, uh, please, visitors, stop and get your gift on the way out, and we will see you uh, next week. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. Connection cards are a great way to connect with us. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat and complete the online form. Here, you can let us know if you're new to Free Life, any needs you may have, or how we can connect with you. Are you interested in knowing more about Free Life Church? Sign up for our discovery class on Saturday, January 15th to learn more about the church, our purpose, and find ways to get involved. Registration closes this Wednesday, January 12th, so sign up today. Living Free Ministry is now accepting appointments. We would love to help you restore a deeper connection with the Lord and find freedom from what may be holding you back. Email livingfree at freelifechurchva.com to schedule an appointment. Stay informed of upcoming events, holiday schedules, and weather closures by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Simply text FREELIFE to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.